The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. All right, Hokies, we are back. It has been quite some time since we've recorded a basketball podcast. Transparently, life's been really busy. Uh, have watched bits and pieces of these last three games to end non-conference, but we wanted to jump on here. Talk a little bit about those three games. Talk a little bit about the non-conference schedule as a whole. And then, you know, take a peek at the first few ACC games as well. But uh, Virginia Tech, since we last recorded, has beat Valparaiso, Vermont, and American uh, some interesting things to come out of those three games as a, you know, on a holistic level, I'm not going to break down each one because they were all largely double digit wins, 20 point plus wins for Virginia tech. So I'm um, not going to get into the nitty gritty on those games, but uh, Mike, there was some interesting stuff to take away from all three of those games. Yeah. You mentioned we hadn't recorded in a while, but also not a ton of basketball has been played either. Uh, yeah. You know, tech was going through not only tech, but the entire ACC um, going through finals. Right. So Right before the Christmas break, everybody's, you know, in exam week. It's basically one game a week for an entire month. So not a whole lot of basketball has been played since we last recorded either. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Virginia Tech really has taken care of business, right? Um, coming out of the Auburn game, we just wanted to see how the next four would go. You know, we wanted Tech to, you know, open up ACC play against Louisville playing well. And I think for bits and pieces of that Louisville game they played well, but I think the last three games against Valpo, Vermont, and then American, um, even without Sean Padula in two of those games, I think Tech's looked pretty good. So taking some steps in the right direction incrementally, um, <clears throat> team's been playing pretty decently defensively. I think offense has taken a bit of a step in the right direction, but there's still some work to be done there. But yeah, curious kind of what your, what your thoughts were here, Ed. Yeah, I think one of the first things I would want to highlight is uh, a flip in the starting rotation. Um, the starters went from Baran and Collins to now Makai Long and um, Tyler Nickel. And I think that has helped. It's helped a few different things. It's helped physicality, aggressiveness, and rebounding and defense, really. Uh, when you add Makai Long, he's just so gritty and determined and covers up a lot of things for you defensively and in the rebounding department. And then obviously Tyler Nickel is an offensive weapon. Um, he's been streaky throughout the year, but on any given night, he could give you 20. So you you add a little bit more uh, punch offensively, a little, little bit more punch physicality-wise into that starting rotation along with, I mean, normally Sean Padula. It hasn't been him in these three games, but Sean Padula, Lynn Kidd, and Hunter Couture. Um, but it also has really kind of revived MJ Collins and Robbie Baran coming off the bench. They both had their best games of the year since that switch has been made, MJ Collins has looked much more comfortable coming off the bench. Robbie Baran has been much better offensively coming off the bench. So uh, kind of just moving the chairs around, moving things, uh, bits and pieces here and there. And Mike Young might have found 
um, found a little something in terms of this starting rotation and the bench rotation that comes along with it. Uh, so, Mike, I'm curious, kind of your thoughts on that switch and how it's helped unlock Baran and Collins. Yeah, I know fans were calling for it, um, specifically with MJ Collins, right, with how poorly he was shooting. And I know fans were calling for it early in the year. And I know you and I were like, all right, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see if he figures it out offensively. And then he didn't really figure it out offensively, right? And, you know, I was wondering if Mike Young would make a change, especially with, you know, how poorly Baran was playing offensively early in the year. And Mike Young not only switched MJ Collins out of the lineup, of course, Collins... Um, got hurt and missed a game, right? It allowed him to see kind of what the rotation would look like without him. Um, but then he pulled the trigger with Baran too and moved him to the bench. And I, I think it's been a positive move, right? I, I was a little skeptical about it at first when we talked about earlier in the year, but now kind of seeing it play out, I, I'm glad he pulled the trigger when he did. I'm glad he, he switched up the rotation when he did because <clears throat> I think, quite honestly, since Collins and Baran went to the bench, it's not like they're playing a ton less minutes, right? You know, they're still playing the regular minutes they were playing before. But I think from a, from a rotation standpoint, you know, you mentioned defensively what Makai Long is able to do. He just adds another versatile defender to the starting lineup, can guard multiple positions, really helps you in the rebounding category where Baran was quite honestly lacking um, early in the year. But I think Baran's been a bit more aggressive on the boards coming off the bench. And I don't know if it's a mindset thing or what, but he, he seems to be attacking the glass a bit better. MJ Collins, I think, has been more aggressive on the offensive end as he kind of mans the second unit. I just like the way this team looks right now from a rotation standpoint. Everybody's playing the same amount of minutes they were playing before. I know Padula's been a little bit hurt, right? So, you know, he's been in and out of the starting lineup. Rex Steiner's been playing a good bit in his, in his place, which I think long-term is really going to help Virginia Tech a lot. And I do like the way the team has been defending and quite honestly how they've looked offensively since Mike Young made the switch. So I think it, in totality, it's been a really positive thing for the Hokies. And I think it's it's helped them out in ways I wasn't necessarily expecting when we first started talking about early in the year. Yeah, another thing that Makai Long adds um, is the ability to push the pace a little bit up and down the floor. Uh, Makai Long gets out in transition in a way that Robbie Baran obviously does not. Um, and I've been super impressed with Collins and Baran. And what they've been able to provide off the bench, and I know Coach Young has too, he talked about, you know, the ability of them to just be professionals and take that move in stride and roll with it and do what's best for the team. And it has been undoubtedly a really good move for the Hokies so far too. The first three or four games that they've done that, um, you mentioned that, you know, Sean Padula was out. He missed the Valparaiso game and the American game. He played the Vermont game in between. Uh, I think the American game, was just an opportunity to kind of get him some more rest. Um, you know, if he sets that American game, he gets like 14 days off versus, you know, having a game in the middle there. So it was an opportunity to probably get what could have become a nagging injury uh, healthy early in the year before you hit the stretch run of ACC play. And in his place, Brandon Recksteiner started, uh, true freshman point guard, and played really well. Um, played well against Valparaiso, played well against Vermont, and then played really well against American with 11 assists. Um, I've been really impressed with Rick Center all year. His ability to not turn the ball over and his ability to pass has been off the charts. I think the offense almost in some ways looks better with him on the floor than it does with Padula, even because Rex Shiner is constantly looking for his teammate. He's looking for the pass, whereas Sean Padula is so good at scoring that he's looking for his shot more than Brandon has. Um, that's honestly one thing I'd like to see Brandon do more is shoot the ball because we know he can do it, but I've been really impressed with the freshman point guard. I think he kind of held his own. Um, 
in those games, was able to show glimpses of what you know, has the staff super excited about him. Again, you know, Coach Young talked about this after the American game in the press conference. Um, Brandon's going to play as much as his defense allows him to. And if he's able to figure out this defensive side of the ball in ACC play, he'll be a really, really good backup point guard and give Sean Padula the rest he'll need as the year goes on. But I've loved what I've seen from him so far. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that's been consistent with Mike Young since he's gotten to Blacksburg is if you're a freshman and you want to play, you have to be able to defend, right? You don't have to be a fantastic defender, but you have to be able to at least hold your own as a freshman in, in fits and starts. And I think that he's been able to do that. Now, some of it's been out of necessity. He's had to play maybe a bit more than Mike Young even has wanted him to. But I think in the long run, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I do think it'll be positive for Virginia Tech. I agree with you on the Rex Steiner take as far as kind of what the offense looks like with him in the game. And I think, you know, with Rex Steiner being so pass first, at least early in his career, as he still, you know, gets used to the pace of Division One basketball, I do think that it provides an opportunity in spurts to play Sean Padula off the ball, right? Padula is such a an offensively minded point guard in terms of looking for his own shot, like you just mentioned. I do think there's an opportunity here in ACC play where if you want the offense to take a little bit of a different look in spurts throughout the game, I'm not saying to do this for long stretches, but in spurts throughout the game, I do think there's an opportunity to play Rex Steiner and Padula together. Now, it would obviously be a smaller lineup. You don't want to play that for long stretches because of you know how it could potentially hamper you defensively. But I think there is opportunity there for Virginia Tech needs to have a little bit more offense. They want to you know change up the look. Uh, of the way the offense runs with Rex Steiner in the game, but you still want to have the scoring punch of Padula, maybe Hunter Couture on the floor at the same time as well. You could definitely do that, right? So I think there's an opportunity there for, you know, some changes within the rotation with both Padula and Rex Steiner healthy and being able to contribute. Uh, You mentioned the 11 assists for Rex Steiner in the American game. Obviously, several of those went to Lynn Kidd, who had 31 points. Um, He had, I think it was 13 or 14 made field goals in that game. It was the most for a Virginia Tech player. Uh, since Grant Basile last year, which doesn't seem like that long t- that long of a time, Basile had that one breakout game in ACC play last year, um, where where he dropped like twenty eight or thirty points. Lynn Kidd's been fantastic, right? And I, I think obviously his best offense is set up by guys like Rex Steiner giving him the ball close to the basket, and being able to go to work. That's been his best offense all year. He's definitely taken strides in that direction. But Kidd is not a guy like Basile who's going to kill you off the dribble or have this like array of post moves. Um, he's more of a rim runner, as we know. Um, his game has evolved on the block, and I think he's gotten a lot better, and he's been really, really impressive this year so far. But I don't think it's a coincidence that his best game offensively came in a game where Rex Steiner had 11 assists, right, and Rex Steiner was out there instead of Padula. So that, that's not to throw shade at Padula in any way, shape, or form. I hope nobody takes it that way. It's just that it was a, a pass-first mentality from the point guard, I think, really set up Kid to have the best offensive game of his career. Yeah, when when this when the Hokie basketball account put out kind of the highlights of Brandon's assists, it was majority Lynn Kidd, and I thought Brandon did a really good job of looking for the big man at any and all times, uh, drive and dump it to him, pass it in from the up top down into the paint. Uh, he, he did a great job of finding Lynn Kidd and keeping the hot hand rolling. Um, really quickly, while we're talking about Rex Steiner, <clears throat> I've really I've been really impressed with Jaden Young and small spurts as well. Uh, he's currently shooting 43% from three on the year, which is an awesome number. And I feel like every time he's in the game, he finds a way to make an impact from, from three-point land. Um, I'm excited to watch his career unfold. I don't think we'll see much of him in ACC play, but so far so good. I really like what I've seen from Jaden Young. 
Um, with that, I will continue to talk about Lynn Kidd because he's been absolutely phenomenal so far this year for the Hokies, and they'll need more of that as we get into ACC play. So currently, as it stands on December 29th, Lynn Kidd is averaging 16.5 points per game, eight rebounds per game on 70% shooting, um, which is an absolutely insane number. And, you know, you talked about it, right? The, those are all high percentage shots he's taking them, and he's, and he's making them at a really high percentage rate. Um, and I'm excited to watch Lynn Kidd throughout the rest of the year against guys like Armando Baycott and against guys like, um, oh, what's his, P.J. Hall down at Clemson. There's a lot of really good bigs in this conference, and I think Virginia Tech has one who can stack right up against all of those guys. So um, kudos to Lynn Kidd for an amazing non-conference, and I'm excited to watch him continue to flourish on a bigger stage against these ACC teams. Um, kind of with that, let's put a bow on non-conference. Um Eight and three is the official number, right? Because we got that one ACC win in there as well. Correct. Eight and three in non-conference with losses to FAU, who is, I mean, for my money, easily a top 10 team. Uh, Auburn, who I think will be a top 25 team throughout the entire year. And then that neutral court two-point loss to South Carolina um, on a night when Virginia Tech played pretty horribly. And South Carolina has proved to be much better than we originally thought. So, uh, overall, a pretty good non-conference. You know, those are the three losses, the three kind of marquee wins. Boise State, Vermont at home, handling them the way we did was a good win, and I think it will be as the year progresses. And then, obviously, the big one is Iowa State, who I don't think has lost since then. I think they lost the next game in Orlando and then has not, has not lost since Orlando over Thanksgiving break. So keep an eye on Iowa State and cheer for the Cyclones as the year goes on. But that was a really good win that I think kind of went unnoticed because of you know where it fell on the calendar. People were busy with Thanksgiving. Uh, but that was a huge win for Virginia Tech, and that's their marquee win in the non-conference slate. So eight and three, um, nine and three overall with that win over Louisville. Now we turn the page to ACC play, Mike, and uh, a really good Wake Forest team. Yeah, a good Wake Forest team had a couple of strange early results, um, but they've also been able to stack up their fair share of good wins since then, right? Um, they lost to Georgia. They lost to Utah. Uh, they've lost to LSU. It was a weird start to the year for Wake Forest against a you know relatively tough schedule, but things have started you know started trending in the right direction. End of November, picked up a huge win against Florida, a game that really wasn't going their way early. I watched a lot of that game, and I tweeted out at the time I was like, Wake Forest is a weird team. Like I was not sure that they were really going to turn that game around. They did. They flipped it in the second half, had double digit win that was huge. Uh, beat Rutgers. They picked up a few. Uh, blowout non-conference wins since then this is a pretty good wake forest squad right and uh steve forbes obviously has that thing rolling we knew he would we knew it wouldn't take him very long um and, and they got multiple guys who can score at different levels they have really strong guard class um hunter salas is their best player he's averaging 18 points per game uh he is a stud right virginia tech's going to have to defend and defend him at a high level uh you know four guys in double digits they're just a really good offensive team. I think it's going to take Virginia Tech's best defensive effort to really slow down Wake Forest um, and, and the official, I, I call this the official start of, of conference play, uh, given you know Virginia Tech will be playing nothing but conference games from here on out. That Louisville game, that weird, that weird one uh, that the ACC always plays to kind of get the conference schedule started off. Yet three non-cons after that. But this Wake Forest game here on Saturday afternoon on the road is a big one. Um, you follow that up with a trip to Florida State, a Florida State team that 
is not nearly as good as it's been over the last like five or six years, but you got them on the road. And then you got a home game against Clemson here uh, on January 10th. Buddy, like not the easiest start to conference play. I'll tell you that. There are some tough games here. And that's before we even mention Miami, Virginia, and NC State. Two out of those next three are on the road as well. Uh, <laughs> it's a tough opening stretch for the Hokies. Yeah, the opening's tough. Um, Wake, at Wake Forest, at Florida State, Clemson at home, Miami at home, which I think I'm going to try to go to. Then you go at UVA, at NC State, and then it kind of cools off a little bit, especially towards the very end. The back third of it um, is much more manageable, but – uh, there's these games like Wake Forest. I, I think you kind of got to go get. Um, yeah, th- these are the kind of games that are a toss up against a very equally talented opponent. Um, go down there and find a way to find a way to win a basketball game. Uh, currently, Ken Palm has the Hokies at 50, and Wake Forest at 59. Um, pretty comparable team, pretty comparable opponent that I think you need to go find a way to beat. But um, some of the things that I'm looking for, kind of as we get into non-conference. Um, first and foremost is Tyler Nichols' comfortability. Uh, he's a really, really talented basketball player. We've obviously seen it in spurts uh, where he just kind of doesn't miss, right? And then there's games when he kind of just disappears and finding some sort of even keel. Um, this is what we can count on from Tyler Nichols night in and night out is something I think will be really important. Um, now, on the flip side of that, you know, there were games early in the year where we weren't getting a whole lot out of the three spot in Nickel and Collins, or we weren't getting a whole lot out of the four spot in long and baran um that production has been much more reliable on any given night since the switch of the starting rotation um some nights it's baran some nights it's long some nights it's collins some nights it's nickel and i think that's gonna be really helpful as we get into conference play but finding a way to get a guy as talented and as as skilled as tyler nickel comfortable and producing at a normal reliable rate i think is something virginia tech's really going to need uh along with that you know I don't really need to say much about Hunter Couture. He's he's pretty he's Mr. Reliable for sure. So we kind of know what we're going to get from Hunter Couture as we get into conference play. He's going to be crucial. Um, Sean Padula. Uh, Sean Padula early in the year looked incredible. Then he kind of cooled off a little bit. And I don't know if it was partially due to an injury or maybe trying to do a little bit too much. But when Sean Padula plays within himself and within this system, he's a top five point guard in this league. Uh, and I think the Hokies will need him to be that as the year progresses. So – Sean Padula kind of playing within himself and getting the most out of his game, getting the most out of his teammates and getting the most out of this system. Uh, the Hokies could go a long way with that. And then just continuing to feed Lynn Kidd, watch his development, watch him grow into a dominant force in this conference. Um, those are kind of the big three things I want to look for. Tyler Nickel, Sean Padula, and Lynn Kidd. I think those have to be your three that lead you to, you know, a slightly above 500 ACC run that gets you into the NCAA tournament. That's that's kind of what I'm looking for, Mike. Yeah, I, I think that's right on the money. Um, the thing you mentioned about Padula, I think, is a really good point. Like Padula is the most important player on this team, right? Um, we, we know the importance of Hunter Couture. We know how much Tech missed him last year. But Padula is one of the only guys on this team that has proven that he's able to go get his own shot whenever he wants. Right. Um, I was talking about the comparison between Rex Steiner and Padula and their styles of play and, you know, how the off we were talking about how the offense looks at Rex Steiner in terms of his passing ability. 
but Padula needs to be out there 35 minutes a night. Like, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Like, Tech can't score the way that they need to score without Sean Padula on the floor. He needs to be that offensive presence, right? He needs to be that kind of point guard. Whereas Rex Steiner, maybe at this point in his career, doesn't have to be that guy because there's Padula on the roster, right? They need uh, they need Sean Padula to be at his best. They need him to, to find a way to continue to limit the turnovers in a way that I think he's done a pretty good job of all year. But they need him to be efficient offensively more than anything else. And I think that's where he's cooled off a little bit is offensive efficiency for sure. But he's done a pretty good job taking care of the ball. Needs to continue to do that. And then I think the thing you you said about Tyler Nichol was a really good point where, like, Virginia Tech needs that second guy who's able to go find his own shot, go on his own shot. Nichol was able to do it at the high school level better than anybody in the history of Virginia high school basketball. And he has done it in spurts while playing for the Hokies. We've seen it, right? We, we've seen him go be able to go get his own shot, go get streaky offensively, make some big buckets. Can he also be a bit more efficient, right? We know what Hunter Couture is. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. He can, uh, he can definitely play off the bounce a little bit. But I think Tyler Nichols' offensive game is different from Couture's, right? A little bit more like Padula's, where he can just go get a bucket off the dribble consistently, right? I think his, if he's able to kind of raise that level of efficiency offensively and kind of become that, that 2A, 2B scorer uh, to Couture and Padula on the wing, I think that would be huge. And then to build off of your Lynn Kidd point, just keep attacking the glass, right? Keep rebounding at a high level. And hopefully the guys around him can keep finding him ways uh, to, to get easy baskets, right? Get the ball deep in the post and be able to finish over smaller defenders, right? There, there are certain guys in the ACC where it's going to be tougher for, I think, Lynn Kidd to find his own bucket. You mentioned P.J. Hall earlier. You mentioned Armando Baycott. Like, those are guys who will definitely be a, a tougher matchup, I would say, for Lynn Kidd. But there's a lot of teams that Virginia Tech's going to be playing against here in the conference schedule where I look at the matchup that Lynn Kidd's going to have, and I like Lynn Kidd's chances of being able to put the ball in the bucket more often than not. So being able to kind of give him the ball where he's most efficient offensively is going to be, I think, really important to you know continuing to untap the potential of this offense because if there's one thing that's kind of been a consistent up until the last couple games in, in non-conference play. It's been the fact that Virginia Tech's been very hot and cold from three-point land, right? And we've seen kind of the what the floor of this offense is, you know, without Lynn Kidd. <laughs> so we need Lynn Kidd yeah. to just be as consistent as possible, right? Because when Virginia Tech gets in those low-scoring games, having Lynn Kidd still being able to get you like 15 and 8 is going to be extremely important on those cold shooting nights. So... I think all the points you just said are incredibly important. Just wanted to build off of those a little bit. I think Virginia Tech's just got to keep defending the way that they have all year. I, I think that it's definitely taken a step in the right direction this year, and I hope it continues. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Hey, guys, this is Ali Jennings III, wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM, Tyler Ave in Radford, or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info. Um, I guess we can jump into kind of a prediction time here for ACC play. So I'm going to go with the Hokies finish ACC play 
11 and nine, uh, which gets you to 20 wins on the season. And it gets you right there, right on the edge to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I think that's probably fair for where this team is on, a, on the national scale. They're probably, you know, a, a fringe tournament team. Um, I think if they get to 12 wins, 12 and eight, I think you're in 21 wins, 12 in the ACC. Uh, I think you get in, but I'm going to go with 11 and nine, get you to 20 wins overall in the year. And to get to those 11 wins, I think you're going to see Tyler Nickel average anywhere between 10 to 12 points a night, um, which will get the, which will kind of elevate the Hokies just enough to make them above a 500 team in this conference. Um, so that's where I'm heading with this prediction. 11 wins. Um, Tyler Nickel averages 10 a night in ACC play. And you see this team have a chance right there fighting for one of those last few spots in the NCAA tournament. This is one of the teams where it would be really surprising to me, based on <clears throat> what I've seen so far, it would be really surprising to me if they were like a team that won like 13, 14 games in conference play and was like solidly in the tournament. I, I think there's going to be a lot of variability with this team as we go through ACC play. I think Virginia Tech's going to step up and surprise some people in some of the tougher games. And I think they're going to drop a few that you really wish they could get, right? Um, a lot of 50-50 games on this conference schedule, starting with Wake Forest on Saturday. Um I think 11 and nine is a totally fair prediction. Uh, somebody, somebody asked me on Twitter, like, what do you think the floor is for Virginia Tech to get into the ACC tournament? I think the floor, I'm sorry, the NCAA tournament. I think the floor is 11. Like, I think you have to win 11 games in the ACC yeah. to make the field. I think that's the the least amount of games you can win in conference play to make the field. I think at 10 conference wins, right, 10 and 10, 500 record, I don't think that's enough, right, to get in. But I do think Tech will be in the conversation. I think they'll be on, like, solidly on the bubble if they go 10 and 10 in conference play. I think 12 gets you in, right? Well, we'll see how the ACC shakes out. But I think what Virginia Tech did in non-con, I think if, you know, if Virginia Tech does go to, go out and win 12 games in ACC play, I think they're probably going to be in. Like, I think that Iowa State game is going to age well. That Boise State's going to age well. You mentioned the Vermont game. I think that's also going to age well, right? Um, that loss to South Carolina might not look quite as bad at the end of the year. South Carolina is entering SEC play at 11 and 1. Like, I think that some of these losses that Virginia Tech's had, you know, South Carolina, FAU, Auburn, do you really feel bad about any of those right now? I mean, I think Virginia Tech winning 12 in ACC play. Uh, would get them in the field. My prediction, Ed, was going to be that 10 or 11, 10 or 11 win range. I think Tech's going to be right on the bubble. I think they're going to have to sweat it out selection Sunday. And I think a lot of it's going to have to do with these games that they win and the ones they drop, right? Um, yeah. Don't have a lot of like quad three, quad four type games that you drop, <laughs> right? Um, if you're going to lose a game, you know, lose to Clemson, you know, lose on the road. Uh, to Virginia, losing at home to Duke. Like, those are the types of games you want to lose, right? Versus, like, going to a, a bad to mediocre Florida State team and, and losing on the road, um, losing to, like, a Georgia Tech at home. Like, try to avoid those losses, right? And, and see kind of where it shakes out. But I think if, you know, you have the right distribution, I, I think at 11 wins, you can still find a way to sneak your way into the tournament. Yeah, 11 wins. You've already got one. So you got to win 10 games in the next two and a half months. Find 10 wins in the next two and a half months, uh, and, you, and you've got a pretty good shot at getting in, especially with that top 100 uh, out-of-conference schedule that the Hokies played that Mike Young put together for them. So, um, you know, you heard Mike Young mention this in the postgame against American. Um, he never really wanted 
conference, non-conference schedule to be the reason that a, a committee kept them out. And he certainly put them in position to uh, have a really good schedule this season. They played it. They did really well with it. You know, I think the combined record of the three teams they lost to, I think those three teams have only combined to lose for like five games. So um, three really good losses, if you can count a loss as a good result. And, you know, Mike Young did what he said in terms of the committee won't be able to keep them out because of non-conference. Um, and, and another, you know, another thing he said in the post game of American was they're in position to be in position. And I couldn't agree yeah. more. I think they're right there. They did what they needed to do. Um, and now, you know, put your nose to the grindstone, find 10 or 11 wins in ACC play and, and go dancing. And Ed, the schedule sets up well, right? I mean, they've already played Louisville once. They play them again. Last game of the year. Uh, second to last. They play, second to uh, last. Second to no, last. They play Notre Dame at the very end. But that brings up my next point. They play a really bad Notre Dame team twice, right? They play a bad Florida State team twice. The schedule sets up pretty well, Ed, right? Like, it sets up well to try to get yourself to 11 or 12 ACC wins. So, I, you know, I, you can't ask for much more than that, right? You can't. I think the schedule sets up well. I think you picked up some quality wins in the non-con. And I think if you pick up enough of the right wins here and enough of the right losses, I think 11 can certainly get you into the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, every ACC team right now, I mean, Duke's 8-3, and three, Syracuse 9-3, and three, Pitt 9-3, and three, Boston College 9-3, and three, Wake 8-3. and three. You know, there's a lot of good teams in this conference. Um, not including Florida State, Louisville, and Notre Dame, who are all all pretty bad, and you play them all twice. So um, stack those wins where you can steal a couple on the road, like this first one against Wake. You steal this first one against Wake, you feel really good about yourself. Um, you take both of these first two on the road, Wake and Florida State, you feel really, really good about yourself. So um, I think this team is in a really good spot heading into non-conference. I think there were some learning curves as we went along the way, uh, some really big wins, some absolute blowout losses, but – here we sit, nine and three, on December 29th, getting ready to turn the page into the new year. Uh, actually, no, I guess technically our first game is still in 2023, isn't it? So we got Wake Forest, then we turn the page. Um, but Mike, we'll talk again probably after Wake, and we'll see how things are going. Quick check in on the women's team; they've played a pretty, pretty much a snoozer schedule. Uh, haven't really missed much over there, other than the fact that uh, Claire Strack and Karis Baker, two of the freshmen, are playing a ton of minutes and playing at really high level. Um, so that's going to be interesting and fun to watch as we move into ACC play for the girls as well. Um, I got nothing else, man. I'm excited to watch how this team grows and progresses and unfolds. Um, Tyler Nickel, 10 to 12 a game in ACC play, win 11 games. Need it. Need Sign it. Out, Mike. We'll talk next week. Hopefully the Hokies are able to pick up at least this first one against Wake Forest. Uh, we'll probably talk again before Florida State. But let's, let's at least pick one up here against Wake Forest and see kind of where it all shakes out. We'll talk next week. Go Hokies. To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking Please don't go to sweat singing Trash my friend's place, wake up the next day to you and